You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm Johnny Heller recording right now. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. I'm on Temple's campus. Um, I'm joined by a special guest, but before we introduce the guest, uh, I'm also joined by my co-host, Ty Dauber, as always. Ty, how are you doing, and uh, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, I am doing well. You know, we tried to have this guest on the other day. We really, you know, we, we struggled with connection issues, audio issues, uh, so that one didn't work. We scrapped the episode. But now we are here on a Friday morning, ready to go, uh, and ready to talk to our guest, who is a returning guest, and that's Ray Dunn of the Ring It Challenge, uh, a Temple student with you, and, and you guys are, are live out here on, on the Temple campus. So, Ray, what's going on? We're happy to have you on again. Uh, you ready to talk about this very interesting Phillies baseball team? I'm thrilled to be here. You know, I count this as two and a half podcasts because uh, obviously Tuesday was quite the struggle. Um, you know, I'm not going to name names, but Verizon Fios really stepped the <laughs> game up in uh, North Philly because it was real brutal for me. Uh, not as brutal as watching the last two Phillies games. So that'll be my segue for you guys to get back into the baseball. Yeah, uh, there we go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have you back a few days later. Glad we could figure out a way to, to get this done. And, and yeah, it's been it's been a really really tough couple of days for the Phillies um you know on Tuesday night when we recorded we we went back and forth on whether we thought the Phillies might make the playoffs and um now all of a sudden it it looks even more likely that they might not uh you know Wednesday night they have a four nothing lead um Zach Wheeler gives up three runs and then um you know they give up a run in the eighth and a run in the ninth and then they lose and then last night they're up six three and uh, was the sixth inning, and um, you know Aaron Nola struggled last night, and um, you know they ended up losing ten to six. They gave up four runs in the in the top of the ninth. So um, it, it's been a theme for the Phillies this year, uh, just you know giving up a lot of runs uh, late innings and not scoring at all in late innings. Like both days, they they scored. I think on Monday they scored, or sorry, Tuesday they scored all their runs in the second inning or most of they scored three of the runs and then yesterday scored all of them in the first and second inning. So um, just not being able to score against the opposing bullpens and then getting killed by the opposing lineups. So um, yeah, Ty, what do you think about these last couple days? Yeah. So I, I see a lot of people that are kind of criticizing the Phillies inability to tack on runs or they only score in the first couple innings or whatever. And honestly, I don't think that matters at all. Like, if you are going to score a bunch of runs like the Phillies do, that's fine. It doesn't matter when you get them. Does it really matter? If they're going to score, what they score? I think six runs yesterday or something. What's it matter if they split it up three different innings, they score two runs, or they just pile on six runs early? It doesn't really matter. If you're going to score a lot of runs, your pitching should be able to win you games. And the Phillies bullpen lately has not been able, not even just lately, the whole year has not been able to – keep any leads and you know the offense is putting up runs people might be frustrated uh with with some some of the some of the supposed inconsistencies maybe inning to inning but the offense is scoring runs 
you know, Harper, he, uh, he had a big night last night. Looks like he might be back. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the offense is to, is to blame here. I think this one is pretty much on the, uh, on the, on the relievers of, of this team. The first five inning Phillies are world series favorites. I, yeah. I if you only played five innings, if they could do that in 2020 to limit the pitchers or whatever they, the excuse for the seven innings or limit contact yeah. between people, five inning Phillies games would be the best thing in the world. They'd win a world series this year off of that. Um, I agree with the take that you can't blame the offense. Like six runs should be enough, especially in the night we've got Nola on the mound. But it is mind-numbingly frustrating that they get – most of the time you would think the first time through the lineup you see the pitcher and then the second time, third time you actually tee off on him. It's been the exact opposite. They, they get the first time and then second or third time through, you're like, all right, come on, where's yeah. this offense that we saw the first time through? It's, it's frustrating. It's not the main concern. I mean, now your concern with the lineup is that you're going to be without potentially Segura for a couple of days, Ramuto, right. um, Reese probably the rest of the year, and that's three of the top six hitters you had coming into the season. So, I mean, the concern with the lineup now is probably like scoring runs in general yeah. because this isn't what you wanted. So, yeah, I understand you saying that's not a huge issue that um, they're not scoring runs late, but honestly, it's just frustrating to watch the team as a whole. Like, it's just the way they've – manufacture ways to lose games is absolutely incredible and baffling every night you know you're going to see something great in terms of how they figure out a way to lose yeah and it is it is definitely incredible just like not incredible just like insane i guess just every night especially these last two nights it, it's like oh they're up early it looks like you know it's going to be a smooth easy win and then but like you can't it's always like a false sense of confidence because time and time again this bullpen has shown that it can't it can't get the job done. Um, and and I guess we should dive into those those injuries that Ray mentioned a little bit. Uh, so yesterday, um, we'll start with Real Muto. He was doing some running and, and BP before practice, and I guess running like half speed, they determined he, he won't be able to play this entire weekend. So that doesn't really bode well, I don't think, for the rest of the season. If, if they could determine that, you know, on a, on a Thursday that he's – not good for the weekend you know who, who knows when he'll be able to come back and then um Gene Segura was hit by a pitch Gene Segura who absolutely owns the Mets um he is like he's Pat Burrell he's Chase Utley like he just owns them he before so when he got hit by a pitch in the arm uh it was his eighth consecutive time reaching base uh I think he had like three singles in there a double a triple a homer a walk hit by pitch so um, they're going to miss him from the lineup. Like, he's had a pretty good year. His OPS is over 800. Uh, and, and we saw, like, in the Marlins series, those last three games without Hoskins and Real Muta, they were really hurting. I know they've scored these past three nights, but even with Harper, even if Harper turns it on, I don't think you can count on this lineup to score as much as, obviously, as it did when it was at full strength. And, and that is a, a major concern, um, definitely, when you consider the, the state of, of everything else. Yeah, um... The injuries are killing them, you know. Uh, did you mention Jake Arrieta? Did I miss that? He, uh, he, he. I did not mention Jake Arrieta. He, um, yeah, he pulled his hamstring, strained his hamstring, something like that. He, uh, he hit Jimenez with a pitch, and grabbed his grabbed his right leg pretty quickly the other night, and was removed from the game. It. Uh, Joe Girardi said that he is probably done for the regular season. Maybe he could be back in the postseason. 
So that's another injury that's that is uh killing the Phillies right now. They are a little bit short on starting depth. They're a little bit short on outfield depth right now with some injuries. Like this team is definitely talented. And, um, but once the injuries come, we saw it last year. Like once the injuries come, I doesn't seem like they have the uh, have the depth to really make up for it. And I'm not sure every single team in the majors is like the Dodgers where they have seemingly nine outfielders that are, that would be the best outfielder on most teams. But, uh, but this team, when, when the injuries come, it doesn't seem like they can fully recover. You know, they had Adam Hazley and Mickey Moniak starting in the, uh, in the outfield yesterday. And, None of those players were on the team to start the 2019 season. Moniak was just called up. Hazley was added, you know, midway through the season last year. And that even might've been early just because they were hit with a bunch of injuries. So, you know, the, they're, they have to go deep into the, into the system a little bit to, to kind of get some, some players on the field right now. And uh, who knows if that is going to work out for them in the end. Uh, it's a big question whether or not they'll be able to make the playoffs here at the end. Even with eight teams in the NL making it, it's definitely not a guarantee that they sneak into the playoffs. Just getting back to JT and talking about the injury, I'm curious your guys' thoughts. If they drop, let's say, three of four, because it's very likely the doubleheader today, Friday, uh, not knowing who's pitching is a problem, that they could lose both these games. They're not good in doubleheaders regardless. Um, the potential that if they drop three or four this weekend, do you even think they try and get JT back for the season and risk the long-term health, assuming they want to sign JT and, and all that? Um, is there a chance we see this team with all these injuries not pack it in but play it safe for longevity's sake? I would say no uh, because, you know, even if they intend to sign Real Muto long-term, they haven't. Uh, and, like, you know, I think they – want to go to the playoffs they haven't been in the playoffs since 2011 so i think that's the the priority obviously they won't they won't put them back on the field if it's if it's really putting in that risk for an injury but i don't think they'll just play it super safe i don't know ty what do you think yeah i think they're going to do their best to get him out there as quickly as possible because like you said like this is a long playoff drought it's a long playoff drought it's uh you know they really they really want to make the the postseason um, you know, every everybody on that team wants to make it. It it just doesn't. It's not trending the right way right now. So they'll do they'll do what they can to get arguably their best player back on the field as long as they're still mathematically in it. Now, if he's not back and then they're officially eliminated somehow, I don't know if that would really work unless they lost like a bunch of games in a row right here without any wins. Uh, maybe maybe they'd shut him down if they were mathematically eliminated. They had no chance of making it, but if they have a shot to make the postseason, they're going to do what they can to to uh, get him out there, in my opinion. Yeah, um, he's probably a future Matt anyways. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, like, watching this Mets lineup, I don't know about you guys, I think it's, like, one of the coolest lineups in baseball. It's super good, and the one hole. There's one hole, and it's catcher. They're one JT away. Like, they really are, and, like, they have Syndergaard coming back from injury. I, I, I think this Mets team, like, they haven't won really the past few years. I think it's really good. 
and I think they will win with this core at some point. And I think, I mean, I don't know. We'll see the impact of the new owner and all that, but they're going to take stupid money to heart and yes. spend stupid money this yes. offseason. New owner worth a lot of money, and this core they're all they, worth a lot of money. But more than the typical uh, baseball owner, he's above average in that regard. <laughs> he's he is the richest owner yeah. in baseball. Yeah, and I saw, I think it was an ESPN article, I forget where yesterday, that had like their projected 2021 lineup and it had Real Muto and George Springer in it, which <laughs> I thought was a little much. But honestly, like, Go that'd for be it. cool. I think every team should spend all the money, so I, know, why not? For a second, I want to jump back to the whole withstanding injury for the Phillies, just because. Um, Ty mentioned it with the organizational depth. They have none because they can't draft. Last night, I saw people getting excited that the first overall pick in the 2016 draft was uh, making his debut in 2020. And it's like, Moniac's only making his debut because of injury. He's nowhere close to being ready to be a major league caliber player. Like, the fact that this front office is drafted the way it has over the last few years should be infuriating for anyone that watches and follows this team. And not even so much this front office is the way it's been for the last almost decade in terms of drafting and developing talent. So the reason why you're in this position is because you've continuously time and time again missed when other teams have hit. I mean, we're every time um, fewer of our, on the Brewers hits a home run, I get my friend text me. It's like Cornelius Randolph, right? <laughs> like that's just the way it is. That's just the nature of being – of following this team because they, they just can't draft. I mean uh, – they're getting I'll, better. I, I've yeah, liked I'll, I've liked their drafts the past couple of years, but just historically, outside of like, they they hit a couple of times to put together that 08 core. Like that's definitely for sure. They hit on Utley, Howard, uh, Rollins, Hamels, Burl. They hit on those guys, but for most of you know the Phillies just time existing they have not drafted extremely well especially over the last 25 ish years um you know since the turn of the century they've uh they, they've struggled in drafting hitting on first rounders now i've liked some of their drafts in recent years but that that is what it comes down to um the early days of this front office uh their draft picks not being huge hits and then the last front office not uh, being able to draft super well and develop talent. Now, I think the Phillies are getting better at that. They've made player development hires that I like. They've drafted some players that I think will be good. But at this point, um, from from the drafts over the last five to seven years, they haven't really uh, acquired enough talent to make their upper minors really strong with uh, with depth that the team can – put into the majors right away when they need them and, and they'll produce. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they did have like four first round draft picks in the, in, in the lineup yesterday, which like, I know, you know, Moniak is the first overall pick and he projects as a, a fourth outfielder, maybe like a light hitting center fielder. Um, and Paisley kind of the same type of thing, but still it's better than if you look at from, Utley, after they drafted Utley till like they drafted Nola, none of those guys nope. even made nope. the majors. Like, you know, you, so, it, it's it's definitely an improvement. And and I agree with you, Ty. I think the drafts the past couple of years have been 
um, really good. And I think we're going to see that manifest mani manifest itself um, in the coming years. But like right now, obviously, it doesn't really help. And that's the difficult part about this window, artificial window they created for themselves, is even if they're drafting well right now, it was they drafted so poorly that right now with the talent that they have, they have no organizational support for what they want to accomplish, which is difficult, which is why looking back, it's it's tough. I would pose the question to you of, uh, in terms of organizational depth, would you rather have Cleveland's pitching development the last five years or the Phillies over the last 25? I mean, Cleveland. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like no, that's in, 20, in 2016, which is the year Moniak was drafted first overall, the Indians drafted uh, Aaron Savali, Shane Bieber, and Zach Lisak. Like, that's three – like, Shane Bieber is going to win the Cy Young. Yeah. And they, <laughs> that's already better than the Phillies pitching staff of the best five guys they've drafted in the last 10 years probably. Exactly. I mean, that's one example. That's an extreme right. example. But right. it's just – look. Imagine, imagine that team if they would keep and pay their players. If they paid – yeah, if they paid anyone. <laughs> well, yeah. I, we don't have to go into that. Um, but – Going back to, to right now, obviously, um, you know, like, I think right now we're seeing a, a couple things, like the organizational depth that we were talking about. Um, with the bullpen, it's a it's a, a mixture of, obviously, Matt Klemzak not doing a, a good enough job of prioritizing the bullpen, but also the, the team not willing to, to go over the, over the luxury tax. If they were willing to go into the luxury tax, then maybe we see Matt Klemzak sign a few guys – or even a couple, like, how, how much of a difference does signing two or three veteran relievers make this off into this season? I think it makes a huge difference. Um, so, uh, you know, I, 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 don't dis I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, they have prioritized making this bullpen better in season. And they've gotten four relievers that on paper should be pretty good. And they have not performed at all. Workmen. You saw it again last night. Hembry, Phelps, uh, and Hale. I mean, Hale's been fine. I guess he just hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities. But um, those other three especially, like these, these are our players that were supposed to help the team and, and turn this bullpen around. And they have had past success. I mean, Workman was one of the better relievers in baseball last year. He had an ERA under two uh, and, and was a, a big closer for the Red Sox. And they've just been – flat out bad there's no way around it they have not helped the team at all in, in fact they've been hurting the team when they're out there and you know you can you can say what you want about the front office like they didn't prioritize the bullpen in the uh, in the offseason that's extremely true but they they went out and got people to help the bullpen and it has not worked out at all and you know maybe you can criticize that they should have got other players but it seems just more like a trend that no matter who they were going to get, it might not have worked. Are you suggesting that the Phillies are cursed? <laughs> seems like it. I don't know. Uh, did trading away Sixto Sanchez curse the Phillies? Is that like you know, the Red Sox giving away um, like Babe Ruth? Yeah. Some might argue. But, uh, yeah, I, but I think the other thing is like if, if the front office knew – that ownership wasn't willing to go into the luxury tax at this point. Like, I think that makes some of the moves over the past couple off seasons questionable. Um, like, I know everyone loves Andrew McCutcheon, but signing him to a three-year, fifty million dollar deal like that, you know, that takes off the table. You know, 
two or three really I don't like I don't know maybe they're obviously better with him I'm not saying they're not um I just think maybe they, <laughs> they should have done a better job of allocating the resources they do have and but also like the Jake Arrieta contract is yeah. the worst example of that and that was ownership like that was that was ownership 100 percent yeah I I personally despised the Arietta contract I hated when I signed it and I was very much not on board with especially the timing of that deal even if you're going to bring a pitcher who's going over the hill to a franchise especially going into 2018 I don't know what the thought process was there but right well like like Ray said earlier uh they artificially artificially moved up their window like especially with the JT Romuda trade like that that for last year and this year. Um, and so, you know, counting on that and then not being able to make the playoffs either year, that's, that is a disaster. Um, like, I don't know if it was – that makes it the wrong move because I, I do – you know, I, I, I support the notion that, like, teams should go for it, but maybe it wasn't the right time to go for it. Um, I think that when you get back to that 2018 Phillies team, that really was the reason they moved up the window. They, they went 500. They, there was the expectation of, oh, this team, you know, you add a couple pieces to it, there's a chance they could be fighting for playoffs because they totally fell apart. And that was the thing. I want to – the team that took them over 15 games over 500, the lineup was Hernandez at second, Hoskins in left field, Nick Williams batting third in right nice. field. I love Nicky Dubs, but come on. Carlos no. Santana in first base. Estrubal Cabrera at shortstop, batting fifth. Like, you look down this, up and down this. Estrubal Cabrera. Pavetta was the starting pitcher that day. You got Michael Franco at third. But, like, that team was not ready to win. Right. And they just were like, okay, trade for Remuto, sign Harper, and let's roll. I I disagree that that team, like, artificially moved up their window. They did. They signed Jake Arrieta and Carlos Santana before that season. Like, I don't think that – that season was like, oh, we're we're really going to go for it. I think they were starting to go for it before that. Whether uh, you know, you can see it with the signings that they made, and I think the plan was always to go for Harper Machado. Um, you know, Donaldson was a free agent. It was. I think it was always going to be one of those players that hit free agency after that 2018 season. And you know, maybe they don't. Maybe if they weren't so uh, close for most of the season. In 2018, maybe they don't trade for Real Muto. They sit back a little bit. But even if that team wins, like, 74, 75 games, they they were already starting to go after big free agents. And I still think they go after Harper just as hard to uh, try to make their team a contender. Yeah, and I, I do think, like, I, I don't know how true it is that, like, the Phillies had to trade for JT Romuto to sign Harper, like, Money talks more than anything, but I, I do agree. Like, I think they were always gearing up for that offseason. Um, you know, whether or not signing Arietta was kind of uh, doing Boris a favor so that he'll help you out the next offseason, whatever, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much I buy into that. Uh, but like, like you said, they, they signed Carlos Santana to a $60 million contract. Like, they were, they were going, and uh, either way, they were um, – they were trying to, to make something happen. And um, anyways, we, we only have Ray for about 10 more minutes here. So I think we should. Whether or not this team 
can make the playoffs. Um, whether you know the injuries and the bullpen struggles are going to be too much to to take them out, or, or if they can get it done. So, Ty, we'll start with you. Do you think this, the the Phillies will make the playoffs in twenty twenty? Um, at this point, with all the injuries, you know what they're in the eighth spot right now. I think uh, just ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm leaning towards, um, you know, I, I said, I think I said last week that I thought the Phillies would win the division. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And that's the thing with this kind of season. Like it is, it is a wild, wild season. Uh, so much can happen in such a short amount of time with only 60 games. Um, that, that's what I, that, this is where I'm leaning. I don't think they make the, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think they, they just miss it. Now, if they can get, Real Muto back sometime soon or, you know, a couple couple players step up. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs, but I'm leaning towards towards no at this point. All right, Ray, I'll throw it over to you. So on Tuesday when we tried this the first time, I said no. And then I was laying in bed on Tuesday night like, you guys had a little bit of a shocked reaction. I was like, you know what, maybe I overreacted to this. Let me see how the next two days play out. When we record on Friday, I might retract that statement. I feel emboldened in that take at this point. I feel like saying no is the absolute correct answer uh, for this team. Between injuries, the fact that this bullpen still exists, um, I'm just looking. I mean, the Cardinals are half game back, and the Cardinals don't play its team with a winning record the rest of the year. They got four come up with the Pirates um, in the next couple of days, while the Phillies got four coming up against the Blue Jays team that's very much in the race over in the AL to make the playoffs. Like, I just think and that this team – itself is not built for a run and yeah they got the nationals coming next week which will be a nice series then the rays which uh who have already clinched so they might not be you know going full throttle at it but i i i think they're done i think that there's just too much to overcome for this team and they could back their way in it because they had that one stretch but the I mean, the Reds are playing good baseball. The Giants, Gabe Kapler's team is, is playing good baseball, even though they've stripped that team down for parts and want to be bad. So, no, I, I think they don't make the playoffs, and I think that the day of reckoning for this front office finally comes. So, I mean, I think the day of reckoning comes either way for this, this front office, whether or not they make it, because um, obviously the, the issues are too glaring. Um, but, you know, I – think that they make the playoffs um and the reason is I think you know I don't think they get swept out by the Blue Jays this weekend like I think they can um you know split or uh, and then they have they have that series against the Nationals they have that series against the Rays like if it's the Rays in the middle of the season and you know they're they're putting their best team on the field then it's different but you know they who knows maybe they haven't you know clinched the one seed at that point maybe they have um, or are, are solid in their position, wherever it may be. I think they're the, the two seed right now. But, you know, looking at the other schedules, like Ray mentioned the Cardinals. The thing is, the Cardinals are half game back of the Reds in the Central. So if the, if the Cardinals overtake the Reds, then the, the Phillies don't have to worry about the Cardinals. They have to worry about the Reds. The Reds play the White Sox, the Brewers, and the Twins the rest of the way. Um, you know, the Brewers are also fighting for a playoff spot. The, the White Sox and, and Twins are two of the best teams in baseball. Um, the Giants, they have three against the Athletics, uh, three against the – or four against the Rockies, and four against the Padres. That's not an easy schedule. The Padres, one of the best teams in baseball. The Athletics, one of the best teams in baseball. 
Um, and then the last team I want to look at, the Brewers. They have the Royals, but then they have the Reds and the Cardinals. Like Those teams don't have easy schedules. Um, and I think like it's things might just fall into place for the Phillies to get there. I don't think the Phillies are going to play great. I think they can play 500 baseball the rest of the way just based on their schedule. And, you know, I, I do think they slip in there at the 7 or 8 seed. I just had a scary thought. What? The Nationals, after all the clowning that Philadelphia has done to the Nationals after that post on Twitter, oh, they, they sweep the them. Nationals are the ones that keep them out. Yeah. And then the Phillies get clowned for the entire offseason. And now I think I might just have to walk away and take a minute and really <laughs> think about what I've just put out into the universe. Yeah, that would be <laughs> – that, you know – I, that might just happen. Like, that would be some sort of poetic justice, I guess. But, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just, like, missing the playoffs when eight teams make the playoffs is so bad. Especially when this is your window. <laughs> this is your – you you <laughs> have made win-now moves for the past two off-seasons, and you're about to miss the um, eight-team playoff. And your former manager, he just fired. Like, I, I mean, I don't really care about managers all that much, but, like, the guy who you scapegoated is going to take a team who is clearly, like, on paper less talented than your team. Uh, I know they've had some guys perform really well, but still, they're going to go to the playoffs. You know, they're paying Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja combined $40 million this year, but they're going to go to the playoffs anyway. They're paying, you know, Brandon Crawford and Brandon Bell and and. And Longoria, they're like the 2013 Phillies, and they're going to go to the playoffs. Like, and you're not. Like, how embarrassing is that? I think it's it's so, so brutal. Even if they they're like the AT, like it's it's brutal. I think that. Yeah, they, I mean, oh, go ahead. At, at this point, you you fired your manager because you didn't think that he was good enough, and you know if you think that that's fair, but having the manager that you know you're indicating is. Up is the problem, or at least one of the problems, and he goes to a team that is pretty clearly not built as well as yours, or not supposed to be as good as yours. And if that team finishes ahead of you, I think that's a really bad look for an organization. I mean, they they said that the manager was holding them back, and the September collapses were uh, were one of the reasons that they had to let him go. And the Phillies are collapsing in September and they might finish behind that manager and, and those San Francisco Giants. I mean, Mikey Skremski's better than his grandfather. <laughs> They're going off right now. That's why that's my new favorite bit that I like to say that he's better than his grandfather, but he's leading them to the playoffs right now, him and some other, uh, some other players. And if, if that team Don makes it, yeah, Donnie barrels, if that, if that team makes a playoffs over the Phillies, like, what a brutal look. What, what a brutal outcome. Cynically, though, it's kind of incredible. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's great content, Ty. And I think, I think that's what it's all about, is it's all about the content. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, do you guys have any, any other thoughts on, on the 2020 Phillies? Or I think 20- in a 162-game season – I think that this bullpen, for as bad as they've been and as bad as they like are still being right now, I think in a 162-game season, they probably do get better at some point. Um, like these, these guys are just better than they've been pitching, and they have been for most of their careers. Um, but they don't have time to kind of figure that out. Even if they 
get hot over like these last few games, like their overall numbers for the year are going to be really, really bad. And I'm kind of in the story, one of the bigger stories of the year for this team. And, you know, it's just how it's, how it's shaken out for the Phillies. They don't have time to kind of get the bullpen back on track. And it is going to be one of their various downfalls uh, for this whole season. Well, in a, in a 162 game season, I know I've said this on the podcast before, like they wouldn't have acquired workmen. They wouldn't have acquired any of those guys 25 games in the season. Well, which, what would have happened is they would have called up guys like Brogdon and, and, and um, you know, Clevenger and, and Rosso and given them more than, you know, three appearances before sending them back down. And, and I think some of those guys would have figured it out. Maybe they, they do some 2019 Philly stuff and make some waiver wire pickups instead of, you know, I think I think that all of the bullpen trades are panic moves. I think I agree on a 162 game season that the bullpen is better. It's not with these guys though, and I think it, it would have given us a better um, idea of how the the pen might look long term. But they've been so reactionary, which like is under, understandable in a 60 game season, but in in and sending guys down and while they're trying to save their jobs, right? Well, this, that's true. Yeah, this, I mean the the bullpen trades to me were reactionary, like you said, and and very much. Um, like just panic, but they're panic stricken because they realize the clock's ticking. Like they, they I think that is literally what the, the article that that Jim Salisbury wrote was: the clock is ticking. And for like the day before they made those trades, yeah. <laughs> like you're in trouble. Your, your your job is is in jeopardy, and this is and that's the thing. Like again, again, getting back to the bullpen in a full 162 game season, like you said, you would have gotten more uh, appearances, but you also would have had just the natural progression to, you know. Right. The mean, yeah, like absolutely. that's just the way things would have went. Like you're not, you're not putting up a bullpen. I saw, I think Matt Gelb wrote the article about the 1930 bullpen yes. this morning, which incredible. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like you're not getting that bullpen for a full year the way they stocked this team, even as much as they disregarded the bullpen in the offseason. Yeah. Um, before we head out, uh, Ray, do you want to update everyone on the Ring It Challenge? You know, let everyone know who's winning, how close the race is, and what might happen in these last uh, few games here at the end? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Johnny over here, Johnny boys is up uh, four. As I've had a bad week though. Going, uh, going into the Mets series, I should preface it with that yes. because the I'm actually going to calculate all this uh, the next hour or so. So going into the Mets series, he was up four. Yeah. Um, Andrew Helt, who has been long time second, I think he was second place last year as well, is, is hanging around. Logan Helgott. Olgado's played the past two years. He's hanging around third. He had the lead there for a little while. Looks like I thought he was going to run away with it. Johnny went on the run. Uh, Don't let Johnny get hot. Yeah. It, the last what? We got 11 games left in this yeah. season. Uh, last 11 games, I, I'm, I'm expecting someone to hit on a, on a couple big ones in a row because this is about the time where people start, you know, just picking big numbers, praying something happens. Uh, last year, the starting pitcher – uh, option was big. It was very big the last week of the season. A lot of people just hoping for something like that. Um, so I think a lot of Marshawn picks this week, a lot of Moniac picks this week, Roman Quinn, uh, as people try and desperately cling to uh, what they know. But I'm curious, uh, what does the strategy look like going towards the end of the season for you? Uh, same as it's been, which is take one of Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon, Jay Bruce. Segura is the it. best value. They're, they're all pretty good value. Like, the thing about – I took Hoskins once uh, in a doubleheader, and I think I might have taken Harper once in a doubleheader. But, like, the, the, the thing about those one-point guys is it's, like, 
they hit a home run, great. You were right, but like you got one point. A lot of people um, celebrating Harper last night. Yeah, it's uh, two point night for him. Double header today. So yeah, mm. should I take today? I gotta look at the the matchups. I was just I just always just uh, pull up the, the starting pitchers like platoon, career platoon stats, and and base it off that, but. It's gonna be the same. Gotta gotta go with what's been working. I'm I'm curious. I posed this question on my podcast, and I don't know what the answer to it's gonna be yet. I've got 11 games, and I also don't think they're making the postseason. But if there is a postseason, what what I do? Do I just crown a champion and then do some postseason version of it? Do I make do I make everyone sweat out through the postseason as the leader right um, now? You have uh, ask me if I'm the leader then. Okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be it'd be cool if it went into the postseason. I've just never had to worry about it. You know, I I watched the September collapses. If you go back and look at the ring it tweets from last year, they're really depressing in September. So, hey, you might you might not have to worry about it this year either. Exactly, that's true. Um, So with that, we're gonna wrap things up. Thank you again, Ray, for coming on. Always, of course. Everyone who's listening, go follow at Ray Dunn BTB on Twitter. Uh, Make sure to. You know, use these last 11 games to, to enter the ring of challenge if you haven't already. Maybe get some practice in for for the 2021 season. All about uh, those reps. Yeah. So, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you after this weekend series. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.